Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture reading this morning comes from Galatians 5, 13 through 15, and that is on page 1793 in the Pew Bible. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You may be seated. Happy Father's Day. Good morning to everyone. God is good. All the time. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. We thank you uh, that so many are visiting here because of the occasion of the day being Father's Day. We pray, Father, that they would have a blessed time together and that they would enjoy one another. There are so many here who wish their father was still present. And there are many who had an absent father. And their mother had to fill in both of those roles. There are even many who long to be a father. For many of us, this is a great day. As fathers, we're loved, we're celebrated. But for some, it can be a painful day. My prayer for them, Father, is that you will give them that peace that Christ promised, the peace that he would give us, not of this world, but his peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, for those who are facing uncertain futures with regards to their health, we pray that they have that same peace. Heavenly Father, for the spiritually ill, those that have chose to distance themselves from you, from the body of Christ, we pray for them. We pray, Father, that something might occur in their life or that someone may be able to be in their life to encourage them to return back to you. Father, for those that have not yet obeyed the gospel, we pray that you'll bless them with time. We pray, Father, that you'll preserve them to the hour that they may obey the gospel. Help us to be diligent and sharing that good news of Jesus. For Madison, who just put on Christ recently, we give you thanks, and we rejoice with you and the angels in heaven. Pray that she will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and I pray that you'll bless her and her family. We're so thankful for that great news, and Father, we pray that we would always go forward doing your will. We often fail you. We often choose the flesh over the spirit, and We pray, Father, that you would forgive us of all our sins, even up until this very moment, everything that we've ever done. Forgive us and cleanse us and help us to be more like Jesus each and every day. We give you our thanksgiving and we offer this prayer that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Operation Enduring Freedom began on the 7th of October, 2001, 
with American and British bombing strikes against Al-Qaeda and Taliban forces in Afghanistan. Initially, the Taliban was removed from power and Al-Qaeda was seriously crippled. And with the coalition's help, Afghanistan was moving forward to rebuild the country and to restore civil government. The first major city, Mazar al-Shafar, was liberated one month after military operations began. And a month later, Kandahar's last major city was liberated from the Taliban. Al-Qaeda went on the run days after October the 2nd, losing their power, their safe havens, and much of their leadership. You and I understand a notion of what freedom is, but we often look at that freedom through the prism of being a citizen of the United States, enjoying liberties that have been enshrined in the Constitution. Let me rephrase, let me reiterate that. They are enshrined, they are not defined by. Our founding fathers, as they went along reasoning and trying to come up with that document, they said, these are the rights that every human has, let's make sure they're not violated. So they are enshrined in the Constitution, not given us permission through the Constitution. So that's when we think of freedom, we think of it in those terms, but that's not quite what Paul has in mind. He has in mind a different kind of freedom, a freedom, a liberty from the bondage of the law of Moses, consisting of over 600 individual commands. We who have obeyed the gospel and become Christians, not perfect, but we've, we do our best. Uh, we try to follow the Lord. We try our hardest to please Him, but we also realize that we're imperfect. Yet there's in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. And at one point, some of the ground on which the seed falls, it takes hold and you see a little bit of fruit growing. But then because of the cares of the world, this person returns to the world. That is, they return to bondage. If I were to ask you, would you ever want to return to bondage as a citizen of this country? I guarantee everybody would say, no, no thanks. I'll take a hard pass on that. But when we decide to return to sin after having obeyed the gospel, we have returned to bondage. In the case of these folks, it's more a case of, you know, this liberty that they have, they don't quite understand it, so they want to go back to the law, to what they understood. A lot like what Israel did when they were in, uh, when they were in the wilderness. They kept wanting to return to the land of bondage. And so... God was saying, no, I, I brought you out to be free. But they said, you know, we had it better there, not realizing just how good they actually had it. So for 20 years, Afghanistan lived in a state of relative freedom. But no sooner than we pull out, minutes after, everything collapsed. It's probably one of the saddest days in history because you think of all the soldiers who went over there and fought and you think about those who not only fought but died. And so many are asking the question now, what was it for? When we return to our bondage of sin or in their case as they return to their bondage of the law, it's looking upon the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and how great and valuable that was and now asking, what was it all for?
If your Bible's open to Galatians, look with me, first of all, at uh, verse 1. Because we're going to see in a couple of places this notion of freedom and bondage. Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So there you have in the same verse, freedom and bondage. Now, verse 13 that Grant read a moment ago, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity through the flesh, but through love serve one another. So there was this notion, and you see this reflected in other letters of the New Testament, specifically 1 Corinthians, I think, where Christians in those times believe, well, we're saved by grace through faith. We've obeyed the gospel. So now we have a free license to just do whatever we want. And so when he says, you know, don't use your liberty as an opportunity to the flesh, that's what he's warning them against. Just because you are forgiven, just because you are now saved, that doesn't mean just go on living recklessly. Paul says this also in Romans. He says, for as grace, excuse me, for as sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. So he's essentially saying you cannot outsend the grace of God. But then he goes on. Shall we continue in sin that, the gra that grace may abound? He says, heavens, no. Or in the King James Bible, God forbid. For as many of us have, as have been buried in baptism with Christ have been I forgot the rest of the verse, but look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. As many of us have been buried in the baptism of Christ, have died with Christ. Found it, sorry. My, my player hit skip right there. It happens. President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on September the 22nd, 1862. The moment it went into effect on January the 1st, 1863, every slave was literally considered legally free. But until they knew of their freedom, the legal fact had no impact on their lives. Union soldiers carried hundreds of thousands of copies of the proclamation and passed them out as they made their way through the South during the war. Now you may have noticed that tomorrow is a bank holiday as they call it. It's, it's Juneteenth. And that's because that was the specific day many, many years ago that the word had reached the last of those who were in bondage. And so they want to celebrate that, commemorate that day to when word had finally reached everybody. So verse 1, stand therefore in that liberty that Christ has made us and don't be entangled to a yoke of bondage. And he goes on, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, you know, if you're visiting, you're going... What? You're like, why are they talking about a medical procedure that the doctor does to a, a, a male child? Well, in the Old Testament, one of the ways that God made his covenant with people, the men were to be circumcised. And so that designated that you were a member of that covenant. Now that Christ has come, now that Jesus has died, that old covenant no longer has effect. And because it has effect, there are some who say in this time, well, you still need to be circumcised. You need to observe the law of Moses in order to be a Christian. Then you can be baptized and you can confess Jesus' name. He goes on again, I testify to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. 
So there you see this other notion of bondage, one who becomes a debtor. Now, many of the first generations of freed slaves never left their plantations. Until the day they died, they continued serving their old masters as cruel and brutal as they may have been. Shelby Foote, in his, I think it's a trilogy, The Civil War, he recalls the story of an Alabama slave when, who, when he was asked about what he thought about the president and his Emancipation Proclamation, he said, I don't know nothing about Abraham Lincoln, except they say he set us free, and I don't know nothing about that neither. So you've got a guy that after Lincoln had signed that and word had reached, he even knew about it. He said, I don't know about it, but I've heard about it, but I don't really see it. A lot of us have been freed from the consequences of sin, but yet we don't live any differently than we did before. We continue living under that master of slavery. We continue living under that bondage of sin. And you know, the plantation owners were happy to keep it that way because if you could keep them ignorant, you could keep them working in the fields. Satan will blind us, he will delude us, and he will have us to believe that's where we ought to stay. But Christ says, that's not where you are. So it's not where you should stand. You have the flesh associated with the law. So let's continue reading through chapter 5. He says in verse 4, You become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. This is the only verse in all the New Testament where he explicitly says, You have fallen from grace. And so when a person tries to live by the law of Moses, you've done just that. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Avails nothing but faith working through love. You ran well. What hindered you from obeying the truth? What is it the influence? We know from Paul's letter to the Galatians that there were some from James in Jerusalem who came and they were peddling this very message. So you have messengers coming along and saying, okay, you know, guys, here's what you really need to do. And even when you see the apostle Peter, he actually somewhat sides with those folks when he goes over and he quits eating with the Gentile believers and he's sitting and, and, and having everything to do with the Jewish believers who are saying, you got to have the law of Moses. Now we don't have that influence, but we do have voices in our lives that say, you know, it's really not that bad. You know, you, you do something, you say something, and you go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm a Christian. I know. And somebody goes, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. And, and that's how it begins. It begins with going, okay, we're going to create a level, a bunch of tiers of sins, okay? And here's the thing. We get to decide which is in the top tier, the worst of the worst. And we also get to decide which is in the least of the least bad, and in that least of the least bad, guess what? Are my sins. Your sins are in that worst of the worst top tier. Have you ever noticed that? Right? Mine are down here because, you know, it is not that bad. It's okay. Everybody does that. Everybody struggles with that. You know, yeah, it's not right. It's wrong. But, you know, it's not that everybody does it. So, you know, we all do the best that we can. And that's true. We do. But then we look at others and we go, well, I don't send that sin. And so they're in the worst state. 
And we really probably don't realize that we do this, but we do. Think about a person or think about a specific sin that totally repulses you. A type of person, maybe. You know, I... I, You could list them, I could list them, and we could agree that there are some that we just consider far worse. And you know, we take our cue from the legal system, right? You know, if, if you break in an entering, it's it, what, a misdemeanor maybe? If you steal so much, you know, it's a misdemeanor, but if you go over a certain amount, it's a felony. And so we look at our legal system and we go, so if you do this, here's the big penalty. If you do this, here's the small penalty. Sin is sin. Christ died for all of it. So just because I don't sin your sins or you may not sin my sins, it doesn't mean that you're any better than I am or I'm any better than you are. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? We've got to be careful about the voices in our ears. The people that say, ah, oh, you know, that minimize it, that wipe it away, that you know, everybody wants to feel good about themselves. And our society is trying to make everybody feel good about themselves. Embrace your sin. Celebrate your sin. Tell your truth. My gram would whoop my hind end if I walked around parading one of my sins. Maybe that's what we need, some good old southern grandmas who's going to make you go pick a switch off a tree. Anybody ever have to do that? Am I the only one? Look at all these hands. All right, I thought it was just me. Go pick a switch. And, and it's a little bitty skinny branch. That's what, a, that's what a switch is. Go pick a switch. And you go, man, and you're crying the whole way out. There's a little kid. I just got to get this thing. And you're like... Hand it here. I don't want to. Hand it here. And if you don't hand it here, guess what? She has this backup whipping instrument called a fly swatter. I have had a switch taken to my legs. I've had a fly swatter taken to my legs. I know some people say, oh, well, that's child abuse. Yeah. It caused me to act right. <laughs> you know, we can love everybody. And we can be kind to everybody. But we can also say, this is what God says, and I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it, no more than I want to accept my own sin, I can't accept another person's sin, because God doesn't. Now, that doesn't mean He quit loving me. He still loves me. And every time Jesus was with sinners, He never wanted to leave them as sinners. He wanted to bring them into a different category. He wanted to help. So we have to be careful of the voices that are in our ears so that we're not hindered from obeying the truth. This persuasion, Paul goes on, doesn't come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you'll have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Jump to verse 16, where he goes through what is both the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. 
Occasionally, there will be a Christian who will come and they'll, they'll be concerned. They'll say, you know, Stephen, I don't know if I'm still saved. And so we sit down and we'll have a discussion. It's like, okay, why, why do you feel this way? And they have a profound sense of guilt over something. And so we talk about that. And I say, okay, well, let's start at the basics. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Have you been immersed in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yes. Have you repented of your sins? Yes. Have you returned to some of those sins? Yeah. How do I know? There's a passage in 1 John where he says, I write this letter to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Is it possible to know? John says it is. So I always like to go to this passage and say, let's, let's see which one is more our manner of living. Is it the works of the flesh or is it the fruit of the Spirit? Verse 16, I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. It's like mixing oil and water. It doesn't work. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So let's look at these. The works of the flesh are evident which are adultery. Now, uh, many manuscripts of the letter to the Galatians omit adultery. Uh, but when you take all the manuscripts together, it appears in several of them. Hopefully that doesn't need to be explained. But if you are married to someone in the eyes of the Lord and you begin carrying on with another, you are in a state of adultery. Fornication. Uh, is sexual immorality, and God gets to determine those parameters, not you or me. A lot of people would like to say, you and I get to, but we don't. If we are Christians and we follow the word of the Lord, we follow the ways of Jesus, we have to follow how he defines things and not necessarily ourselves. So you could put in that uh, category many, many things. He goes on next, uncleanness, that's moral impurity. Lewdness is the sexual vices of all kinds, and they were very prevalent in paganism. Idolatry is the worship of idols, which can, uh, that can be anything that takes the place of God in our lives. We may not have little wooden or, or, or metal statues that we bow before, but our idolatry can be our job. It can be our recreation. It can be ourself. Sometimes that person you look at and shave with in the mirror, fellas, or that you put your war paint on in the mirror with, ladies, sometimes that can be our idol. Sorcery. Now, I always tell people I'm not a superstitious person. A person. I'm a little stitious, but I'm not superstitious. But I'll tell you, there are some things I will not have anything to do. Tarot cards, Ouija boards, zodiac signs. These are things Christians shouldn't have anything to do with. You know, everybody, what's my horoscope? You know, and it's kind of, we go to the Chinese buffet and we go, I want my fortune cookie. And, you know, whatever. Don't put stock into that. Uh, and, and don't play around with, with these things that can be associated with idolatry. Hatred and contentions refer to personal animosities. We understand some of the next ones. Jealousies, outbirths of wrath, uh, selfish ambitions. We understand those pretty clear. 
dissensions, you know, it's when we make it a, a partisan issue, not necessarily political, but it can be. Uh, when we think about heresies, we often think about false teaching. But the term here has more of, a, of division in mind. And false teaching can cause division. This is what they're facing there. Once more, we understand envy. We understand murders and drunkenness. Uh, revelries is closely connected to drunkenness because it's an old word for drinking parties to honor Dionysus, who was the god of wine. I know some people would probably still like to have old Di around, right? The god of wine, what'd you do? You drank. How much? Till you got drunk. Ah. If I was a Roman, that would be my cult. You know, the thing about the, the, the commercials of, of promoting alcohol, the one thing that they don't show are the abused women, maybe the abused children, the houses that are torn apart. It's always a bunch of young people having a great time. But they don't show you the other side of that coin. These are the works of the flesh, verse 21, and if we practice them, we shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And what Paul means by practice, let, let, let's look at it in one of two ways. You know, when you think of If it ain't God, don't answer it. No. It may be important. We, we would understand. To practice something is, you know, it's a habitual practice. You don't just do these things occasional. It, it, it's, you know, a, a, a lawyer practices law, for example. So that's something they're, they're engaged in. A doctor practices medicine. That's something that they're continuously engaged in. So if, if we do these, we are sinners. We're we're constantly engaged in these things. You go, now wait a second, we are sinners. Well, if you make a habitual practice of it, yes. But when you think about it on the whole, God has made us to be saints, holy ones. And as holy ones, we, you know, we still will sin. But we have been made something we could not make ourselves. So if I'm a practitioner of any of the works of the flesh, I am in the category of the sinner. The saint is one who isn't sinless, but more exhibits the fruits of the Spirit. And when you think about Paul warning that these will not inherit the kingdom, it, it took my mind back to this passage. <clears throat> Pardon me. Matthew 25, 34, Jesus says, The king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know what he says to the other group? Depart from me, for I never knew you. Let's look at these fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You ever been in a situation where, boy, you're awful tempted to exercise that flesh? Usually people do that to you, don't they? 
People can sometimes bring out the worst in us, but people can also bring out the best in us. I forgot what happened or what, what the, the details. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that normally I would have blown a gasket over, you know, and, and it, it happened and I just, I went, ooh, I said, I'm exercising the fruit of the spirit of self-control right now. You know, uh, I don't, uh, you don't care. Okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody here wants to live under the law, but when we live under the works of the flesh, that's what the law was for. And in the categories, the works of the flesh are associated with circumcision and the law, keeping the law, sin, and not inheriting the kingdom of God. But the works of the Spirit are associated with freedom, with hope, with faith, with love. And when we exhibit those fruits of the Spirit, Paul goes on and he says, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So I take you back to not only Afghanistan, but uh, the period of the Civil War. On the one hand, you had a people liberated who had a bright future ahead of them. It was on them to maintain it. And they weren't able to do so. Back under bondage. But then you have the liberty-giving message of the Emancipation Proclamation, and people knew about it, but they didn't see how it made any effect. So when it comes to this liberty that Jesus gives us, you can't say now that you don't know. You're aware of this liberty-giving message, but the question is, do you want to be free, or do you want to remain in bondage? Freedom is found in Jesus when you have faith and you make Him your Lord. When you repent of your sins, when you confess Him as God's only Son, when you're buried with Him in baptism, you begin a new, free life. To my brothers and sisters, I ask, do you find yourself still living a slave though you've been granted freedom? I'd say to you, leave that plantation and recognize your freedom in Jesus. I want to close with a, <clears throat> with a little story that I hope can illustrate the point, and then we'll stand and sing. And when we stand and sing, we'll have an elder standing here and there, and I'll be down here as well. If you're one of those who want to walk into the land of free with the Lord Jesus, you'll have the opportunity, if you wish to do so, publicly. If you're a Christian, you find yourself still living in bondage, and you want to go back to being free, you, you can respond, and we'll pray with you and for you. The public response isn't demanded because, as you see, some come to the realization at other times and we're always willing to help whatever those needs may be. So just keep that in mind. When we stand and sing in a moment, that's your opportunity. If you wish to, to respond publicly, we'll be glad to minister to you. Here's a story. A 12-year-old accidentally killed one of the family's geese by throwing a stone. Figuring his parents wouldn't notice one of 24 gone, he buried it. His sister saw the crime and said, I saw what you did, and if you don't wash the dishes for me, I'm going to tell mom. And so that boy washed dishes for days. One day he told his sister, he says, I, I don't want to do the dishes anymore. 
She said, well, if you don't do the dishes for me, I'm going to tell mom. He replied, I already told her. And she forgave me. I'm free again. Let's stand and sing.